Meditation. 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 Depending on the quality of my mind. You know, there's good days and bad days. I mean, I feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice... I can't think of anything. This is Meditation in the City. The Shambhala New York Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City podcast. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is Contentment. We spend much time in our life struggling with our state of mind and emotions, our relationships, and the world altogether. This causes suffering for ourselves and others close to us. So how do we work with this struggle in our daily lives? Meditation is a way to work with and reduce that struggle and become more content with ourselves, others, and life itself. Today we're joined by John Sunhauser. John is a senior teacher whose involvement with Shambhala began in 1977 when he went to Naropa Institute in Boulder, Colorado to study in the dance and theater departments. He was at the time an attorney in Seattle representing Native Americans. He became a student of Chagyam Trungpa Rinpoche, and then after his death, became a personal secretary of the Sakyong, the current lineage holder of Shambhala. John teaches from a perspective of integrating his personal background and experiences with the traditional and innovative teachings of Shambhala Buddhism. Here's John to take away the discussion. There are a lot of texts in uh, Tibetan which talk about happiness, um, but he said that those te- those texts actually refer more to a sense of contentment rather than to what Americans think of as being happy. So it's just some kind of context. So I think we all can agree that we all would like to have a good, fulfilling life, to feel contented and sometimes happy and sometimes not. But there's definitely a feeling that's what we would like. And we would like to be decent human beings that don't fly off at the handle at some taxi driver or other driver, or if you're a pedestrian, a bicyclist, and if you're a bicyclist, a pedestrian. Um, We aspire to that. We want to have good, fulfilling lives. We want to be decent human beings, and we'd like it if everybody else shared in that as well. So, the problem is sometimes we find ourselves struggling in order to get there. And usually we have some idea of what it is we need to get there. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, But there's a sense of struggle that goes on, and it could be at a rather sort of subtle level of, you know, wake up in the morning, let's say you had a good night, you had a good rest. Um, Last night you were looking forward to going to work or going away for the weekend or whatever it was. And you wake up and you're in a really shitty mood. And it's like, this, this is, I wasn't supposed to wake up this way. This, like, and so I know for myself when that happens, I immediately try to get out of it, to fix it or to find some reason for it. Maybe it was a bad dream or maybe I'm ignoring something or there's, there's already a struggle, even sometimes before I get out of bed. Like, this is, this is not the way I want to feel. This is not the way I should feel, given that yesterday was a good day and I had a good week. And um, so there's that, it can be just, as soon as we wake up, there can be that struggle. And we're not even really aware of the struggle, and yet we engage in it right away. You know, well, maybe if I have a good hot shower and I have a good cup of coffee, and then, you know, I'll feel better. So implicit in that is rejecting ourselves, rejecting what we're feeling. And that creates a struggle because we're feeling this way, and yet another part of us is saying no. 
you shouldn't feel that way or fix it or get out of it. So already, not even talking about struggling with other people, but we're already we're struggling with ourselves. And I think certainly in this tradition, in meditation, we, we do um, contemplate right from the start the struggle even the struggles with others begins with the struggle within ourselves. So that's the starting point to, to look at, which is also helpful in terms of the tendency of the whole culture to blame other, you know, look inside first. So that kind of struggle certainly does not make us feel content, let alone happy. And that brings on a sense of suffering we, we um, not only do we feel lousy when we wake up in the morning, but then we add to it by saying, I, yeah, I shouldn't feel lousy. There's no reason for this. So it's like, it's really, it's, it's called the pain of pain. Um, or we, we say, I shouldn't, I, we feel bad about ourselves or we beat ourselves up for feeling angry. So it's like a double negativity rather than I'm just feeling angry and that's fine without the commentary. So what do we do about this struggle that happens at often very subtle levels within ourselves? Well, the good news is that the, um, the yearning to have a good life, a fulfilling life, and to be decent human beings comes from something very innate in us. Um, that orientation towards wanting to be content, wanting to have a good life, uh, is something that's very innate in us. It's not just a belief system or a dogma that we've been told once we're old enough to verbalize and hear things from our parents but it's an innate in us as our human nature, as human beings. And in this tradition, that's what we call basic goodness. And for some of you that have been to Shambhala before, you're familiar with that. But for those of you who haven't, it's the sense that as, as human beings, we are basically good. And not in the sense of good versus bad, but that there is something basically good about being alive, there's something basically good about human qualities and they are not all labeled as, um, you could say, good or positive. But it's good that people can feel angry. It's good that people can feel jealous. Now, it's not always good to act on those things in terms of harming others. But those are human emotions that are incredible. They're wonderful. Um, and that's the good news, that it's, it's who we are. And so that the desire to have a good life um, could include being very angry, which we always label as a negative emotion. But it's good that we can feel angry sometimes. There's things to be angry about. You could have a whole course on anger. Um, but it's interesting, in, in Tibetan Buddhism, they often, instead of using the term angry, this is a little bit of a segue, but uh, instead of using the term angry, just angry, they use the term wrath. And wrath is defined in a way as anger with wisdom. Anger with wisdom. I always find that very helpful. Wrathful. So it cuts through what needs to be cut through. So this sense of, of longing to be, have a good life comes from this innate quality of ours. And it's not because somebody told us that we should feel this way when we're little. Um, now, unfortunately, in this culture, as children growing up in some religious traditions, um, where that's not always encouraged. The, on the other side, we're told to feel bad. 
um, should feel bad about ourselves. And that's a, that's a problem in this culture. And one of the things um, in, in Buddhism is that there's the fundamental nature is of humanity is, is a basic goodness, a Buddha nature. And so we're returning to that as some sense of um, acknowledgement and feeling in our own being. It's not an idea, it's actually part of who we are. So there's an orientation towards contentment. That's the good news. The problem is that um, oftentimes we think that the way to get there is through very conditioned things. If I can get the right job, if I can find the right partner, if I can find the right apartment, um, if I can find a better place to live, different city to live in, then I will be happy, then I will be content. And I think we've all experienced the notion of um, be careful what you want because you might get it and then it's not what you thought it was going to bring you, right? Um, and that's cultural too. You know, all the ads telling us the images um, and even, you know, how we're brought up, other religions, teachers, you know, if you get good grades and you go to college, then you're going to be happy. So all these conditioned things and what it really misses that it's, it's not about those external things, it's about something very innate in us, that real content, contentment comes from within, regardless of what the external situation is, or attaining certain things, or becoming famous. I remember a, um, it goes back a while, but Barbara Walters was doing an interview with Brad Pitt, who at that time was like the biggest thing going. And everything was going right in his life. And she said to him, well, what is it like to be happy all the time? You have everything. And he said, I'm not happy all the time. And uh, she said, well, you know, Brad, you have everything, you know, like all the, he was happily married then and his work and blah, blah. And he said, no. And she said, well, are you happy most of the times? And he said, you know, I have my peak experiences and I have my really bad days, but most of the time I'm right in the middle where life is pretty good, but it's not always great. And it was just interesting listening to that. And she was actually genuinely surprised, which sort of surprised me. Um, but that, uh, you know, the culture makes us think that if we get all these things that we're going to be happy or we're going to be content. Well, even if we see, even if we know that those conditioned things are not really what makes us content, um, that it comes from within, we have to get back to what I was saying before, is how do we work with our, we're saying that that innate, that innate sense and that real sense of contentment coming from within um, and the struggle with that, getting back to how we work with ourselves and our own state of mind so that sometimes we sabotage ourselves. So instead of seeing that, um, that waking up shitty when I didn't expect it is not only okay, but it's actually, there's some sense of um, wakefulness to that. It sort of wakes us up. The unexpected can wake us up, particularly with our own mind. Because there's sort of a, when that happens, there's sort of a gap, an openness. You know, if I sort of had a good week and I was planning and then I was gonna say, okay, I'm Saturday and I'm gonna wake up happy and go there, Everything is sort of smoothly going along, but it ends up being some side of a blissed out state. But when we actually are stopped, our mind sort of goes, well, I didn't expect that and I don't like this. Um, 
it's a little bit of a wake-up call that life isn't predictable and that we can't control everything. And it's an opportunity to go forward with that and actually see that as a human quality that we aren't in control, um, that life presents all sorts of interesting challenges to us and openings that we do often don't take advantage of. Um, I mean, how many times do we actually, when we're walking around New York, and I recently I did this thing, I was just watching how, it was, I went down last night to Fulton Street and I had to take the subway at 4th Street, the A train down to Fulton, and it was so intense. I mean, the people were walking so fast, so fast, and I noticed that even, I live near Washington Square, people walking so fast, how often do we actually notice what's happening around us? Because we're on a, we're on a, uh, what do you call it? We're, we have the strategy, we have to get there. It's like we have blinders on. And we think if we get there on time, well, that, that's gonna be great, you know? But meanwhile, what are we missing along the way that could actually make us feel quite content, if not happy, of walking a little slower through the park or noticing some babies or amazing things go on in New York. That's one of the things that's so wonderful about this place. And like, let's just take it in and not do everything as planned. And I think that by staying on track and lining everything up, we're rejecting a part of ourselves that could really give us contentment. And, and, and when that happens to us, I mean, you know, I think we all know that some of the best things that happened to us were not planned, that were spontaneous. I mean, you know, most of the time when people make friends or they meet what's going to become their partner, it really wasn't planned, right? It just happens. And then you take the opportunity to say, oh, this is, wow. Um, so it's really staying open to something that's much more um, intuitive, that's in our heart, in our gut, and opening up to that rather than rejecting what's going to get in the way of our plans for that morning or that afternoon or that weekend, whatever. Um, you know, when I, when I met my partner now 23 years ago, um, it definitely wasn't planned. I went out to Pennsylvania for the weekend with some friends and um, it actually turned out to be a horrible weekend. They were fighting. Um, there was nothing to do out there at all. It was in the middle of the woods. So I took, I took the bus back and I was really grumpy, really, Sunday night. And um, it was like, I didn't expect this. And uh, so I said, I came back to my house and I went, oh, I'm just gonna go out for a drink. And I went over to a bar in the village and I met my partner. And there it was. And so sometimes things we think are going one way, they completely flip around. And there's this sense of um, joy that can come from that. But it means being open and not immediately rejecting what you think is gonna be um, get in the way, right? So um, maybe even letting ourselves get depressed, for example, if we're feeling like we're getting depressed rather than warding it off, just saying, okay, I'm just gonna let myself be this way and see what happens. It's actually being very kind to ourselves and very gentle rather than saying, I don't want it, I shouldn't, etc. How do we do this? Well, meditation is one way that we do it in a very gentle way and a very gradual way. Um, the, the real important thing is about meditation is really getting to know ourselves. Getting to know ourselves and making friends with ourselves. And sometimes that's not so easy because we see things in ourselves that we might 
not want to see or that we've been maybe suspicious that um, that's what I've been thinking and then we're sitting there and we, as we sit there, we, we actually can get totally enraged at something sitting on the cushion because we didn't think we were really angry about something. But we're sitting there for an hour and by the end of it, rather than being all calm and cool, we're like even madder than we were when we started. Uh, right? I mean, it's, who knows? So, the important thing is that um, trusting ourselves with what we're feeling and not rejecting it because that's rejecting ourselves and that's rejecting our humanness, our humanity, regardless of what it is we're feeling. And the, as you know, the more we try to push things away, the more they come back. Um, so letting it come up, not repressing things, um, which doesn't mean, on the other hand, indulging it. So neither repressing or indulging. Um, somewhere in the middle, we can feel some contentment with these are human feelings. And this is good. We can feel this. Indulging gets into what Trumper Rinpoche used to call the oive. Oi, I'm so, so this. Oi, my back. Oi, you know, it's like, and then we really sink into it. And then we can sink into self-pity. And then, you know, it can become dark. And we sort of know that we're doing it. You know, and sometimes, frankly, I think it's fine just to say, okay, Saturday I'm just going to sit around my apartment and feel sorry for myself. Why not? I'm not going to make the bed. I'm not going to take a shower. I don't give a shit. Great. You know, do it. Um, but then there are some limits, like, okay, uh, enjoy it even. So when I, when I did that um, exercise in the beginning, um, before we sit, that's a good thing to do um, before you sit, just to check in with yourself and say, okay, open up. I'm not leaving anything out there. And I'm going to open up. Right now, this is how I'm feeling. It could even be like, I don't feel like sitting. Um, and just open up to that. So it's interesting that um, Trump Rinpoche is a, a book um, he wrote called Smile at Fear. And one of the things that he talked about was the basic problem is that we're afraid to be who we are. And he talked about we're not only afraid to be who we are as human beings and to have the full array of feelings of all that all humans can feel. Um, there's nothing wrong with any feeling. Um, but also we're afraid to be who we are as, as John or as Kathy or as Stephen or whoever. Um, let's be who we are genuinely, so we don't have to try to be somebody else. I have a friend that when she was 65, um, we were visiting her in Boulder, and um, my partner said to her, you know, Anne, you're a real character. You are a real character. And she said, well, I figure if you're not a character by the time you're 65, you're living somebody else's life. <laughs> you know, trying to be something other than who we are. Um, so it's interesting that he talked about we're really afraid to be who we are as humans, full humans, but also to be who we are as individuals. We're not trying to create Buddhist clones so that we're all these qualities, you know, um, wise and compassionate and, you know, generous and patient and all the virtues. Uh, but we, we are fully who we are. Um, and there's a sense, really, uh, that um, we all have distinct personalities. We're all individuals. 
And that's the beauty of it. It's like a huge flower bed with all these different flowers. And that, you know, if we're a petunia, be a petunia or a, a tulip or whatever. And that by, by practicing, we actually can get in touch much more deeply of who we are. And it's a way to actually sort of delicately, gradually um, discover who we are, especially maybe the things that we are afraid of. And that sort of on the cushion, things can come up for us that um, surprise us. And we have certain ideas, and we have certain inspirations, and we have certain insights. You know, the practice we do, shamatha vipassana, shamatha is taming the mind, sort of settling the mind, so that the AM radio gets turned way down. And in that sense of settling, vipassana means insight. So as our mind begins to settle, at the same time, insights arise, both about sort of who we are as humans and who we are as individuals. And there's a sense of really, um, Trumper Rinpoche talked that as a very, meditation as a creative experience of, um, it's almost like the, um, the experimental part of being who we are, of discovering things in ourselves, in our heart. And it can be very vulnerable, it can be very soft. Um, and that's why we need to be gentle with ourselves and take it slow on the cushion and don't push. Uh, trust yourself um, or off the cushion of um, not pushing too hard to be, to be ourselves. It's, a, it's a sort of an evolving process. And in that we have a sense of contentment that it's like, wow, I am feeling more comfortable with myself. And that's, and, and joy with myself, I can really be who I am. And that's where real contentment comes from, is being able to be who we really are. Um, and enjoy that. So in terms of the actual practice, how I would say this applies, when we're, when we're sitting and we're aware of the breath, and then a thought comes up, we notice we're thinking, and we say thinking to ourselves, and we're actually cutting the storyline. So let's say I'm worrying about financial stuff, what blah, 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 blah. Notice it, cut the storyline, but the feeling around that, it's there. Maybe in this case it's fear. And that stays, we're not cutting the feeling we have, because we really can't do that. We can cut the storyline, you know, what if this, what if that, blah, 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 what if blah, blah, blah. Cut that, but we actually stay with the feeling. And Pema Chudran, who's a wonderful teacher, has written quite a lot about this notion um, that it's sort of like the weather. Our feelings are like the weather. And if the weather is raining, doesn't mean that we still can't go about our business. And so cut the storyline and then if the, I notice, and it's not like spending a lot of time out, I just notice that I'm, this is scary and notice where it is in our body, like not in the stomach, or I notice my breathing is shallow, and, and then just go back to the breath without trying to get rid of the knot in your stomach or your breathing, because that's what you're feeling right now, and not rejecting that. You're saying, say, enough with the storyline, but what I'm feeling, what I'm, going through is real, and we don't need to reject that. Um, and that's really important because that's the beginning where we begin to see of, of how hard we are in ourselves, and we reject ourselves, like, well, I, I shouldn't be feeling so scared. Well, forget that. I am feeling scared. So 
we're just sitting on the cushion with that. And maybe that's um, a little scary, because sometimes it is financial stuff, especially in the city these days. And so just being with that, just being with that, and then continuing the practice. And all these feelings that happen are energies, and energy moves. Energy, by its very nature, moves. It doesn't stay solid unless we make it solid. So it's sort of like if we freeze the feeling and it becomes a ogre or a demon, that's not helpful. We go back to the breath and then more thoughts come up and more feelings come up and we cut the storyline and we let the feelings go there. We become familiar with ourselves that way. And we're much more accepting of ourselves. We're just on the cushion, being with ourselves and learning about ourselves. And we begin to actually be content with ourselves that way on the cushion. And sometimes we could actually, you know, have a sense of humor about it so that um, we see like an old storyline come up. And we could actually have a little sense of humor because it could be a storyline that goes back decades. You know, something with our parents or an old partner or whatever. And um, in time, that can have a lot less um, uh, impact on us. It's almost like, oh, well, here you are again. I haven't seen you for a while. Um, you know, cut the storyline and then see what's left of the feeling and let that come in and make friends with that and really accepting that's going on. And certainly, um, for myself, I know things in my childhood, every, we all have different experiences in childhood. And, you know, some people will say, oh, why don't you get over it? Well, you know, it's all have different experiences and we have to respect ourselves in terms of our own journey. Because this, in fact, is a journey. It's not like we just wake up one day and there it is. Um, and that's sort of a hard one to realize that this is a journey. The journey to contentment is a journey and there could be two steps forward and one back or vice versa. But there is a sense forward and the sense forward does come from this orientation we have towards um, wanting a good life, wanting a fulfilling life. Off the cushion, it's often called post-meditation, um, the practice is really that when we, whether it's waking up in the morning and immediately fighting with ourselves, or we could be walking down the street, um, you know, feeling fine, and then somebody cuts into us and pisses us off, um, let whatever you're feeling come up. We don't need to repress anything with shoulds. And as I said before, it doesn't mean, you know, if somebody cuts in front of you or whatever, we don't have to scream at them. Um, there's some sense of equanimity in it, um, but it's probably better than repressing feelings, because then they just get stuck and build up, and next time something happens, we could react in a harmful way. So, and on, in post-meditation, when we're not on the cushion, so we notice that um, we've gone off somewhere or in some realm, um, and we come back. We don't come back to the breath, we come back to the senses of this world. So, come back to the colors, a storefront, a, a red, the redness of the red light. Uh, let that bring us back. And if we do that, we will probably notice more things that actually could give us some sense of contentment. Like, like I said, walking through the park. But, but it could be, you know, New York is such an amazing place. It could be walking on the street and uh, especially, you know, when we walk home from some place to another, which is a routine, and we walk up and down the same streets on the same time, 
how often do we really notice because it's so routine you know and now with flowers being planted and people being out and colors and um, all sorts of wonderful things happen in the summer like open up to it and enjoy it so I've been talking a lot about working with you could say the struggle quality and the negative emotion qualities but it's also opening up to the good feelings that we're feeling and to notice that so I want to um, so when we're talking about contentment we're talking about with that sense of struggle of wanting to be have a good life and um, struggling with ourselves but there's also a nice little practice that I want to give you that you can do on your own that is sort of coming from a different point of view of um, accentuating the things in our life that we already feel good about whether it's ourselves but it's sort of a reminder a reminder practice so why don't you just take um, your meditation posture just take a few deep breaths and just settle in So first bring the word contentment to your mind. So now think about something in your body or your senses that you appreciate that you do not have to fix. Appreciate the fact that your legs work or that your eyes let you see the world. Just something in you or your senses that you do not have to fix that you appreciate and now let the thoughts and the images fall away and just rest with that feeling maybe in your heart in your stomach anywhere and think contentment Now repeat the process by thinking about a person that you do not have to fix or struggle with too much, somebody you appreciate. And contemplate this person until a certain feeling arises. Let the thoughts and images fall away and stay with the feeling that remains contentment now move through the process again by thinking about something in your circumstances that you do not have to fix for example the way the sunlight comes into your apartment in the afternoon or the fact that there are flowers near your house or that there are friendly people on the street after some time let the thoughts and images fall away and stay with any feeling that remains and think contentment and then just open your eyes and have a sense of the room and the people the colors and have a sense of contentment okay so we could have uh, some questions some discussion comments and also if you have questions about meditation unrelated to the talk please feel free to ask as well do you see a difference between fulfillment and contentment and what would that be and how should we view that between fulfillment and contentment that's a good question well I guess for me it depends if I'm defining fulfillment as like a hundred percent 
then it wouldn't really be the same. But it's tricky because, no, I guess actually, I'll take it back. I don't think there is much of a difference. I think it's just being, um, being okay with what's happening right now, and that's both fulfilling and content, contented, because it's just being human as to what's happening. So even if it's not um, good or positive, it's simply appreciating the moment fully. One of the Buddhist teachers that um, talks about this, she has sort of a, um, a contemplation that she says, and when she wakes up in the morning, may I, may I experience every moment fully? My ex may I experience it as a friend? And so I think um, fulfillment and contentment is nothing holding back. It's just experiencing things fully. It's interesting, fulfillment is like fully. Do you have, but do you have something that you wanted to add to that, that brought it up? Yeah, um, for example, you brought up finances a couple times. Um, you know, I guess in, in that topic of relation, what I'm trying to say here, you know, yeah, maybe I'm f fulfilled with my finances. I don't really struggle with finances, but I'm not feeling contentment. I don't feel content because of whatever reason it might be. Um, for example, saying like I went on a vacation to Peru, it was wonderful, had a lot of fulfillment for it, but I'm still struggling with being content now returning to New York City. Um, so that's a lot of my struggle is I might feel achievement here at work, or I might feel fulfilled with closing that deal or the fact that you know my finances are okay because of that achievement, mm -hmm. but next week I might not feel content. You know, how can I? Well, that's what I was talking about earlier, is that oftentimes we think that, con that contentment is dependent on conditions being achieved. And whereas, in fact, it's, it's something deeper. And so, let's say, um, I don't know in your particular case what's, what it is that's holding you back from feeling content, or that idea that you're not feeling content, but perhaps exploring a little bit um, what your ex expectations of contentment are. So it's, I think we could be content with being, let's see, this is interesting. Can we be content with being unfulfilled? Because that's a human quality. Disappointment, right? Disappointment is such a human quality. So can we have some sense that we could be content with that because it's being human. It's human to feel disappointed. So it, it's a little bit of a redefinition of content. I agree with you. And Trump Rinpoche had a real problem sometimes with the English language trying to find the same thing. Um, that's why I mentioned in the beginning the word sufficient. That he's using sufficient to define contentment. So, yeah. Especially as humans, it seems, especially now in the United States, uh, America, we, we think we need to have everything, like you were saying, and we get held down with want and not just looking at the bigger picture of things. So right. that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. We're always taught the opposite, that we need to have all this money, this nice house, this perfect marriage, you know, kids, that white picket fence. And you know, obviously from the discussion, um, you're saying that's obviously not the case. No. And I do think that fear does definitely hold us back from a lot of that too as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. How did it feel doing that contemplation at the end? Did that feel useful? It was awesome. <laughs> and I guess I have a question. So I meditate pretty frequently, um, but only when I'm in a environment where people are around me, do I feel like I accomplished something or do I feel contentment? When I meditate alone, sometimes it's even crazier. It's like, oh shit, I forgot I had, you know what I mean? Like uh -huh. it cleared my mind to more issues. Um, I don't know, maybe it's a personality trait. I'm Libra, so like 
supposedly like we like being in public. I don't know. What's what, your take? What did you What did you like about the contemplation? Well, the fact that your voice kind of guided my mind. Uh huh. You know, like when I tell myself something, it's not always as empowering as someone else. Interesting. I think doing the contemplation on your own um, is useful. And so maybe you'll begin to see your own voice um, as that. The contemplation was really interesting for me. I, um, uh, I found I was very uh, eager to pull up the images of the people and the beautiful flower and the thing. And I felt um, really happy to have to get to practice gratitude, basically, and to rem be reminded to do this after my morning meditation is like really amazing. But what I what was a little what was maybe most interesting about it um, was that how quickly for me um, some uh, feelings other than gratitude undercut it. Uh, so some fear came up. Um, uh, and some feelings of like, well, gratitude is great, but you've got this to do. Um, and I just, you know, after this conversation, after your teaching us today, I thought, okay, I guess I'd better just stay with that and not try to get back to the gratitude. I better just figure out, or just just, just be here with it, not, not figure it out, just be here with it. And that was very rewarding um, and curious as well. Interesting. But, yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's good. Yeah. So one of the things that I struggle with that you brought up is being um, okay with yourself and who you are. And in I say that in relation to how do you do that when you get, at least I get, a lot of negative messages about who I am from, yourself? from the world. Oh, no, from the from, world. From the world. Yeah. I'm to this, I'm to that. And That's a good one. <laughs> Is that your own storyline, you're saying? No, it's really what people tell me. Well, yeah. the world is always giving us um, this present world, this culture we're in, is always giving us messages of not good enough. You're not this, you're not that. I mean, whether it's, you know, advertising or newspapers or or there's always an undercurrent even when it's not about us it's always what's lacking right I mean it's it's really a sad state of affairs um, you know I, I watch the news every night and it's always impresses me that usually at the on the network news from 630 to 7 on most of those stage three stations there's the last little slot for a few minutes a nice story, right, yeah. of some goodness or somebody being kind, and it's just right. like, Jesus, <laughs> right. you know? And so it's, everything else is reinforcing this notion that we're not good enough, our family isn't good enough, or this isn't good enough. It, you know, um, it's like swimming upstream. It's not easy to, to go against cultural norms and shoulds and, um, and that's why practice is very powerful, because it's almost like we're strengthening, just like at the gym we're strengthening our body to swim upstream. Here we're strengthening our minds against all the stuff that comes in, the shoulds and the messages, you're not good enough, you're not that, you're not that. So we have to strengthen our minds and build our own confidence. And that's what this you know, very much is about, building confidence in ourselves. Um, so maybe because of circumstances or relationships or whatever, or family, um, we can't change those verbal assaults, but hopefully they become more like water off our back a bit, like sense of humor about it, like, well, there they go again. Uh, or, you know, I mean, sometimes we have to say, this is over. I'm not gonna be in this relationship anymore. So it sounds like what you're saying is being okay with who I am and being genuine with myself regardless of 
world's disapproval or whoever's disapproval externally? Well, I think that's a generalization. I mean, obviously, if you're in a relationship with somebody and they're trying to give you helpful feedback, that's important. So I think we have to trust our intuition and our heart, like what's going on here, you know? But if it's from a coworker that really is, doesn't have your best interests at heart, it's something different. And if you're stuck with this person because you like your job, you know, it's setting up boundaries and then if the, the verbal stuff comes in, there it is, it's just like a matzo ball that hangs out in space and let it plop. <laughs> to use the Seinfeld um, <laughs> expression. So yeah, it depends on the circumstance, obviously, yeah. But you know, Trump Rinpoche, some, he talked about, he wrote a wonderful poem about, called Basic No, that sometimes we do have to say no. This is not permitted, this is not allowed, I'm drawing the line, no. This is not okay. Yeah, and there was, a, well, there was an article a while ago in the Times about, you know, divorces, there's an di institution of divorce or splitting up for primary relationships, but oftentimes with friends we drag them on, and there, there should be like a divorce proceeding for friendships, you know? Codependency and enabling and all that stuff, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I do think the challenge, um, the challenge with contentment because of the way a lot of us have been brought up in the culture is, um, I mean, it's great to do the contemplation because it's a reminder of, of you said, gratitude for things. Um, and that's really important to make a practice of that. The challenge is really to take the things that we view as negative and fit them into some sense of contentment. You know, so that if we're feeling furious about something, and even if it's slightly irrational, you know, like oftentimes now people will say, well, you have a right to be angry. Well, it doesn't have too much to do with a right. What's, what's it got to do with a right to be angry? You're simply angry, and that's okay. Now, what you do with it, whether you, have a whole spiel around it, or it gets verbal, or assaulting, or physical, whatever, that's something different. But having a feel, that we can feel content with feeling very strong, what we view often as negative emotions. That human beings have those. And that to begin to um, massage the notion of contentment that includes things that we never really thought were okay to be, or that we never thought was about contentment, right? So it's, um, and maybe it is a way of reworking what we define as contentment, but opening that up, maybe we, maybe we want to use another word, but um, is reworking our, um, reprogramming ourselves a bit, old habitual patterns that, that you know, it's not okay I'll never, feel, I'll never feel content because I'm always angry about this and that. So that's worth looking into, right? I mean, some things maybe we're gonna be angry about our whole life, but it doesn't have to control us and it doesn't mean that we're not humans and that we still can't feel contented as a human being, even if that's part of who we are for a long time, right? And I think this is where practice comes in, of wearing, it, wearing out the notion that I'll never be content if I feel this way all the time. You mentioned, I think, the feeling of like frustration and somehow correlating that with you know, finding contentment, but how about a feeling like grief? Grief? And is there a core, you know, is that something that can be sort of correlated there? Oh, I, I think feel like grief it's very is, different. I mean, yeah, this, We've got to let ourselves feel grief. I mean, this, I think this culture has got some crazy ideas about um, grief. It's like, um, you know, my partner's mother has this notion that her friend should be over her husband's death. Well, she should be over it by now. 
no, you shouldn't be grieving anymore. Well, that's ridiculous. You, you grieve until you're done grieving. And that's a, that's a, I mean, I, for myself, I found that grieving when my parents died was tremendously fulfilling and it gave me what now I consider contentment that I could allow myself to feel that, that deeply. Yeah. So maybe you could help me with, um, I struggle a lot with anger that feels righteous, you know, and um, lately I'm doing a lot of highway driving. Oh. <laughs> and, I'm, and I tend to be very rule bound. And so it's very clear to me that you, you pass on the left and you get back over to the right. And I'll get behind somebody that's going not fast enough in the left and they've got room they could get over if oh, they yeah. chose to uh -huh. and they're completely oblivious yeah. and I feel like my life is being ruined and um, I'm just suffering until I can get past them. And uh, any, any um, coaching about working with Well, them. I go through that. <laughs> um, have you tried, you tried blinking your lights and they don't move? <laughs> That, that's like, it has to, I guess at night, I, I try not to do that because that's, I, 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 do, I do do that, yes. Well, I don't mean put, well, during the day, that work, yeah. you can do it, doesn't, it shouldn't be bothersome, right? During the day, to, just to blink your lights. Yeah, so like actually acting on it and trying, yeah. Well, yeah, blinking, during the day, if somebody's oblivious and you blink their lights, my experience is sometimes they do move over because they're just spaced out that they're not, that you're yeah. behind them, right? Now, during the night, you don't want to like put your brights on and just pull up right behind them, but you could just blink them. So what if they're oblivious? And they still don't move? Yeah, if they're just well, oblivious. They don't even know that they're supposed to stay in the right lane. Well, then, you know, uh, you go around them the right on the other side. Yeah, I do all of that. You do, <laughs> but you're... But sometimes you're trapped and that takes a while. And, and I'm just like kind of... So you just deal with it, is what That's the human condition. I'm not going to find contentment in it. It's but it also, could you see a little sense of humor in it, like laugh at yourself? Like think you're in a Seinfeld episode, or you're, like, you know, laugh at yourself. Because you're, you're smiling right now, I right? I can do it now. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, but in the moment, I'm, I'm just rageful. Well, do you, are you often alone in the car? Um, when that it's happens. better if I'm alone because if somebody's right. there, like you know, you, if you're alone in the car, you could scream. <laughs> Sometimes that makes me feel better. I also travel with two dogs that I don't want to freak oh, out. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> I think the whole thing is here is the dance of it, right? Is keep it moving rather than solidifying into this solid thing of like I feel shitty. They're jerks you know, the whole thing. If you let it flow a little bit and dance with it, like it's like this is human, and then you might actually feel some content, if not delight in the whole thing. Like it's a, this is like, the, this is like a human thing that happens, you know? Thank See you. what happens, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for what you say about anger, because at work there's certain situations that I feel are not going to resolve, that I, and, I'm, and, and I go, well, that's the way you walk in, you have to deal with that. But just the fact that you're saying um, that, and sometimes anger pops up, sometimes it doesn't. But it's just nice to know that that anger is just a feeling that I could look at and, or not look at, but not judge me for having it. Right. Because that's not going to resolve. So if, if, as soon as I think I have to fix it or do something, it, it controls me. Exactly. So just to let it, like you're saying, the dance yeah. means just let it dance. It's separate from me. Yeah. And just that gives me a perspective that's, uh, that right now is very, very helpful. Great. When I start dancing. Yeah, the, the idea of dancing with it, the, the, play, the play of it, the play of energies, and the, it's not stuck. Yeah. And, um, you know, the contemplation is nice to do. Um, sometimes if you sit in the morning, is to do it afterwards, or even just... Um, do it on your own. Um, just a sort of reminder. It, sometimes it's helpful to, um, well, some people call it affirmations. You know, that this is 
affirming something that I know already, but it's a good reminder. Like when I, we were doing it myself, actually, during the part about um, oh, things that you appreciate, um, you know, things that you have the eyes to see, what came up for me was taste. And I had something really delicious earlier. <laughs> And I, and I just let that come up with me, and I actually started salivating. <laughs> so it's a, it's, a short, it's a short contemplation, but it's very useful. <laughs>